Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Before we get started with our next guest, I want to just share with you something I've been working on. I've been working on this for a little over eight months, and it's called the Higher Achievers Academy. And I'm opening up on June 1. Uh, this online course is built for beginning leaders or managers or directors or anybody that's in a leadership role that wants to start off on the right foot, that wants to build the right culture and develop the change that they want. So in this course, it's uh, like I said, it's six weeks, there's five different modules. And with that, you get a personality assessment. You also have access to uh, a digital or online platform that where you'll be having worksheets and, and also audio and visual uh, templates set up for you. And then here's the really cool thing is, uh, we'll get together once a week. We'll we'll do a Zoom call, and during the Zoom call, it lasts for about an hour. But with that, we'll be able to kind of unveil what you've worked on during that week in terms of leadership. It's dripped out every Monday, and so so everybody's on the same page. And with that, we'll be able to to dive in and and ask questions and. And see where this leadership thing can go. But number one, you have to understand leadership starts with leading yourself. 
What do you want to achieve? What do you want to get after? Okay, so uh, I suggest you you check it out, especially if you're new to, to leadership. And you can do that by just going to my website at alexmolden.com and you'll find more information there. So without further ado, we're going to bring on my next guest, Jim Ford. Jim Ford uh, is the VP of Nike Footwear. He's He's been at Nike for 30 years. He's a great guy. And he's a, he's a former Marine. He was in the Marine, for 12, uh, Marine Corps for 12 years. And he has great insights and great insights that that will give you foundational principles that you can apply in every part of your life. In every part of your journey, you'll be able to apply some of his principles. So without further ado, this is Jim Ford. So, hey, okay, so Jim, so what I wanted to do was, man, is I want to just kind of dive in a little bit of your story. Like, really, like, man, what, what got you to where you are today, right? And so I, I really want to kind of go into, I remember when we talked about like how you, how you got into the Marines, right? Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a pretty cool story. So I just wanted to kind of dive into that and what brought you to that, to that point and, you know, what you kind of learned in that journey. And okay, well, just kind of dig in, you know, I, I just want to kind of just hear a little bit. I want my listeners to hear about your story and whatnot, because I mean, this is, I'm, I'm trying to, to get people to see like, man, when they hit roadblocks, what have other people, you know, what did they do or what type of relationships that they had to make or did they have to transform themselves? You know, I think we all have a little bit, right? Oh yeah. Well, I, I definitely had some uh, transforming uh, today and, and certainly when I was young, but uh, to answer that, Alex, I think um, probably like a lot of listeners, you know, my, my family was from the military. My dad, you know, fought in World War II. My uncle was a Marine. And I think I always re- reflect back to uh, when I was a young young boy and uh, JFK was so influential in my life. And, you know, I always remember to ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And that always kind of um, stuck with me. Uh, you know, I was a uh, maybe above average uh, athlete growing up. Uh, I was lucky enough to get to the University of Maryland, uh, really good Division One program, and they had just won the Gator Bowl, and and I, I couldn't believe I got there, but I did. And uh, you know, I was a defensive back, and uh, when you get to D1 from from uh, high school, you're like, oh man, everyone's bigger, faster, and I'm getting blown up every day. But I hung in there the best I could. And we had a great coach there, uh, Coach Parks. And Coach Parks wasn't even my coach. But uh, he was like the enforcer. Like if, if things weren't going well, if you weren't behaving, you weren't following team rules, or if you weren't getting the academics done, you got to go see Coach Parks. So mm-hmm. one day at the end of practice, hey, Fordham, man, Coach Parks wants to see him. I'm like, oh, man. So I, I, I rolled up into his office, and he said, get in there and sit down. And he said, you know what this is? And it was a piece of paper on his desk. There's this one piece of paper. I said, well, Coach, it looks like a transcript. No kidding. Who's you think that is? Uh, most likely mine. You, boy, you are smart, aren't you, Ford? Well, um, you, you know you're not going to be a pro football player, right? I said, yes, Coach. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. I said, damn right you're not. You're an average football player at best. And if you don't get your act together, you're never going to graduate. Look at these grades. This is, this is horrible. This is not a University of Maryland football player. We're student athletes first and foremost and he was just blowing me up and I was like oh man how am I going to get out of this meeting um, 
So he went on to say, you know, you got to turn the academics around. And he said, you know, you might not be a great football player for it, but I think you'd be one hell of a Marine. Now, how he made that correlation to I'm not doing well academically to how I'm going to be a great Marine, I don't quite know. But I found out years later uh, because he sent me down to the uh, Officers Canada School recruiter. That recruiter was a friend of his that he had served with in Vietnam. So he was just uh, taking care of his old buddy. But uh, one thing led to another. I had military blood in me. Uh, I remember what JFK said. And, and then, uh, you know, from Coach Park's uh, guidance, uh, I went down and met with the recruiter. And they thought I'd be a good match for the Marine Corps. And I went to Officers Candidate School. And it kind of went on from there. Wow. Uh, so, okay, what was the, the toughest part? of of that whole experience like from going from college and into into uh the marines um well i i think one from a uh, personal perspective you know losing your identity hey i'm jim ford football player i'm uh kind of rolling how i want to roll as a civilian well that changed the first morning when uh, a giant we call him uh excuse excuse my friend shit can Garbage can was thrown down the middle of the squad bay, and uh, there was drill instructors all over us. And all of a sudden, you realize it's zero five a.m. You belong to them now, and they're going to break you down. You're no longer a civilian, and you're going to become a disciplined um, servant of the country as a United States Marine. So that transition was big. Physically, uh, the physical demands of it, uh, the sleep deprivation. You know, it's not like it is in. Uh, modern day boot camp for recruits at Officers Canada School, they're gonna give you a mission and you gotta get it done by the morning. So if you don't sleep that night, you don't sleep that night. So making that transition, sleep deprivation, high demands on you physically, and then also you're kind of losing who you thought you were and now you're being honed into a Marine. So I think that that was a, uh, a tough transition, but one that you were taking a lot of pride in when you were in it. You know, you're in it together, you're learning. I already knew how important teams were and how you get things done as teams. And if you try to do it individually, you'll never be successful. So I think, um, yeah, I took a lot of pride of being in there with some uh, good young men and, and we all became uh, young Marines. Well, we, you, you leave there, you're not a Marine yet. Uh, it isn't until you graduate from college. Gotcha. And, do, and so do you think playing in a team environment, did that help you? At all? Oh God, no, no question, no question. I knew how important, you know, I was a defensive back, and you knew how well, you know, the whole of the defense work when it's all synchronized, you know, from the down lineman to the linebackers to the secondary, all working together. If you, you know, if you're just thinking about what I need to do in the secondary, not thinking about what those other players are doing and what you need to do to support them, if, you know, you know, as an old corner yourself, Alex, you know, if I don't turn that sweep in it's going to be a long day for everyone. You know, if I don't keep that receiver in front of me, it's going to be a long day for the team. So, yeah, I knew how important that, you know, teamwork and team discipline and being there for each other. Uh, I was fortunate I had that head start because you saw kids that maybe hadn't come, you know, in the boot camp or the Canada school environment. You saw some kids that, you know, they were more individuals. They didn't last. Didn't last. No. <laughs> Interesting. Why is that? Um, well, I think at the end of the day, you know, Marine unit is everything, you know, and you're going to be successful. You're going to fail as a unit. 
And if you're trying to you know, be out there showing that you're the toughest guy or, or you know the way without using the power of the team, um, you, you're really going to minimize your success. Mm. That's interesting to, you know, to hear about that, that whole team aspect, even like with the Marine Corps and how important it is. It doesn't matter how, you know, how, how strong you are, how fast you are, any of that type of stuff. But it really is like, man, you're part of something bigger than yourself. 100%. That, that was definitely a key takeaway uh, for sure. Mm. Any, any hiccups along the way? Tell us about like a, an obstacle that might have gotten your way. I don't know if it was an injury, if it was a drill sergeant. Uh, well, it was a very significant. It was one of the most significant uh, uh, experiences of my life as a Marine. And it really heavily affected me as a Marine, but it also affected me as a leader and affected me for the rest of my life. You know, I, I had uh, gone through Austin's Canada School. I went through infantry officer course. Um, I went through the basic school and infantry officer course. And then you're ready to be a uh, Marine second lieutenant. And I was an infantry officer by, uh, by training. So I went over to Okinawa, Japan. You know, I was over there for about eight months, you know, doing a lot of work out in the field, operationally preparing, uh, preparing units for uh, whatever the country needed us to do. And uh, I was a weapons platoon commander and we had the, uh, the mortars and machine guns. So a lot is dependent on us and being able to get rounds on target and uh, protect the rest of the unit and you know, reinforce uh, offensive or defensive activity. And one day we were doing live fire exercise, which is always super exciting for Marines to actually uh, do their trade and trying to get rounds on target. And I'd been over the eight months. I'd had a lot of live fire exercises. I was pretty cocky. I thought, man, I can put, you know, with any, with any one of my, my teams, we can put rounds on target. And we're, we're totally confident in it. And uh, it was a live fire exercise. And, you know, it's intense. Like, you, you better make sure you're wired, your, your team's wired, and you're going to be getting rounds on target. Well, you know, we knew what the target was. And you, you send the data or the dope down to the gun. And I had a pretty young gun crew, and I should have remembered that. And um, they put the dope on the gun, and uh -huh. then it rounds out, and uh, we fired out of safe. So you got a fan of safety that you can fire within. You got to put those rounds within that fan. If you put them outside of that fan, that's when, if, if you have adjacent units, you could, you know, uh, have friendly fire incidents happening. So that day, we fired out of safe and it was dramatically out of safe. Like I knew when the rounds came out of the tube and you know, you, you're following, uh, it was, I knew things weren't right. And then all of a sudden I just hear down at the uh, end of the line, you know, from Captain Hayes, four, four, get down here. And then, you know, he, he was all over me. Lieutenant, look at that round, look what you just blew up. You know, if, they, if this is a, a true operational, you're in combat, you would have killed a lot of Marines today. And, you know, that when I say that, I, I'd still, it, it hits me, you know, right in the, right in the heart. Like I had, I had failed. I had failed my Marines. I could have killed Marines that day. So at that moment, I realized the responsibility of leadership. You know, I had had, you know, hundreds of leadership courses and classes and, you know, Vietnam vets telling us the importance of, supervising your Marines. And that's what I had forgotten that day. I was pretty cocky. I knew I'd given the right dope to the gun, but as a young gun crew, and I did not supervise that they put the right data on the gun and fired out of safe. So I learned that moment 
how important, how much is riding on leadership and the responsibility of leadership and making sure your team is well-trained and they're ready to do their job and you're there for them to help them and I fail. And that's still, you know, to this day that bothers me. I thank God I didn't, I didn't get anyone injured that day, but uh, that, I took that with me, Alex, the rest of my life. That, wow. that you've got, it's on you. You know, you've got to do it with the team, but at the end of the day, you're the leader, you're responsible, and you can't fail that team. Mm. And here's the thing that, I, you know, what I'm hearing is like, man, there was no excuses, right? Yes, oh, you gave that. them the right coordinates. That was one part of it, but you didn't look to blame others. No, we had, we had learned that. And that's always the key learning in, in the Marine Corps. You, are, you, you're as a leader, you're ultimately responsible. And if you try to shirk that responsibility and we've, I've seen that many a time when people want to deflect it. Well, I told the team to mm. leadership failure number, you know, number one right there. When you try to deflect your responsibility off on the team, no, you own it. Everything your team accomplishes or doesn't accomplish. And when they accomplish it, the team did a great job. When it's a screw up, that's my job. I screwed up, never the team. Man, that sounds so familiar, Jim. Yeah, I know. Sounds so familiar, man, with some of the the, the great leaders um, on teams that I've been a part of, whether it was the head coach or the coordinators or even um, the quarterbacks. You know, because typically on a football team, it's, it's always the quarterback. And the good ones, they're always taking, you know, they're taking the heat. For not just the offense, but I mean the whole team. So that's yeah, that's yeah. something to be said. How the tempo practice is going and how everyone's pulling together. So that's so true. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so okay, so tell me, and and my listeners is like, what was some of the things that you've that you know being a successful uh, business person within a company like Nike and the success that you had as a Marine, what were some of the, the key transitions or the transitional components that you took from uh, in your life as a, in the Marines and then transitioning over to the corporate world? Yeah, that's a great question, Alex. And it's one that, uh, you know, I know there's no possible way in this green earth that I go on and be, a, you know, a senior leader at Nike and had the success I had if I didn't have the foundation of leadership from the Marine Corps. And the things that, you know, we all learn as Marines, um, you know, you, you really, the number mission, mission number one is to accomplish the mission. So mm-hmm. you, you're wired uh, for a bias reaction, you know, from that, that stay with me. I know I've got to do that. Or at Nike, you got to deliver results. And the other thing which I think is most important, and it's always that balance between accomplishing the mission and we say in Marine Corps, welfare of the troops, you know, welfare of the team. And with that, I've always tried to instill with my team, they know another military term, but I've got their six. And I hope anyone I've served with say, hey, one thing I'll tell you about Porto, he had my six, no matter what, you know, whether he had to give me some strong counseling on what I need to do better, or he was just there, I was having trouble and he stayed with me all the way, or he'd reach out to me when I needed it. And I didn't even, I didn't even, hadn't even talked to him all of a sudden I was there. So I, I always try to remind people that once I've served with you, uh, I'm there. Like if somebody were to call me right now and I'm on this call, sorry, Alex, I got to leave. Uh, I got one of my, my former Nike folks needs some help. 
So uh, those were the, I think the big things uh, that I had taken with me. I think the other things I took with me were, um, uh, we call it Marine Corps, establish the commander's intent. You know, so many times you could be at Nike and you know, you got this leader and like, what's your intent? What do you want us to accomplish? What is the strategy? What is the vision? What are we all trying to work towards? And when you don't have clarity to that, that is going to you know, minimize your success as a team. So, you know, I took along with me, I, I got to have a good commander's intent or good vision for the team. And I think as always, uh, as, you know, as we all try to do is, as a leader that I take, I take from the Marine Corps, set the example. I have got to set the standard of professionalism. I've got to set the tempo and pace for the team for them to be successful. And I've taken that with me, um, you know, from the Marine Corps. And then though, when I came to Nike, I realized that, you know, because in the Marine Corps, so much is on that lieutenant to make, make the command decision. That's what there was. Lieutenant's got to make the command decision. And then when I first came to Nike, I was trying to make the command decision all the time. And that's not how it works at, in most civilian cases. And it probably shouldn't work as much as it does in the military that way. And I think they've gotten a lot better at that, is using the power of the team. And that's what I learned at Nike. And I think that's what we're really brilliant at. Uh, is using the power of the team. You're surrounded by a lot of outstanding, experienced professionals and young, uh, new hard charges that are coming to the team. Everyone's got great ideas. Everyone's got passion for serving the athletes. So, you know, I've learned that I've got to use, uh, maximize our success comes from using the power of the team. So that's been a, a, great, um, a great learning for me as, as I went through, uh, as I grew up through Nike. And I think the other big thing was, you know, I learned the, um, you know, there's so many things going on at Nike and, and we've got this long product process and, and sometimes we want to wait and see what happens. And I think that's where that kind of bias for action and, and working to lead decisiveness. And I think that's the other big thing that I, I try to bring. You know, you can't linger in indecision. You know, and sometimes you, know, you got to take the information that you have at the time and you've got to lead decisiveness. And back to that power of the team, I want to ask the questions because I've learned that too. Because I'm definitely not the smartest guy in the room. In most cases, everyone in that room is smarter than me, but at least I've learned to be smart enough to use, uh, use those great teammates to ask the right questions and help them be decisive because then that empowers them. They feel better about it when they are making decisions together. That's good. That's really good. I, man, that takes me back to, man, I had a coach um, when I was with the Chargers my second year, and it was Marty Schottenheimer. And yeah, every one. other – oh, man. And any other coach that I had, it was – you know, there was some gray areas. You know what I'm saying? Like depending on how much success you had, how many Pro Bowls you had, you know, how much uh, years in the league that you had, it would kind of waver from coach to coach. And Marty Schottenheimer, one thing I really respected about him is there was no gray. It was black or it was white. It was you were right or you were wrong. That was it. <laughs> right or wrong. No matter if you was a, a undrafted rookie free agent or if you was junior sale, you, you were right or you were wrong. And that was something yeah. that really stuck with me and like what, you know, a, a really good leader should be able to uh, lay the foundation when it comes to building a culture. And so I want to say, so, okay, or ask you, like, in terms of culture, what is the, when you're, when you're starting, you know, when you're coming into leadership roles on a team or whatnot, how do you, how do you establish culture? 
Well, I, I think I always share with them, this is something I, I did want to share with you. I, I think uh, for any leader, uh, you've got to work on what is your philosophy. And mm. the team has to know that philosophy. And you better have that right out of the gate. Like I, 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 I've you know, been talking with uh, young leaders at Nike. And I, that's really, really critical stuff that you've got to build that philosophy and you've got to be true to it and you've got to live it season in, season out at Nike or year in, year out, consistently showing up with that philosophy. If I'd say, you know, uh, to my team, you know, the three big ones for me are, and, you know, as far as a superpower, if you will, uh, give positive energy. If I don't give positive energy, how can I expect the team to have positive energy? And I think that, uh, a team that thrives on positive energy can overcome any obstacle. That doesn't mean that we blow smoke up each other's behind and, and everything's always rosy. You got to keep it real as well. But I think, you know, I try to come in and create that, that culture of doing it with positive energy. Um, I think the other part of that is once again, I mentioned it earlier, they know I have their six. They have to know that they have each other's six. They are there for each other. If you have that sort of culture, I will, I'm surrounded. My teammates got me here. Even when I make mistakes, even when I, I fail, they're going to pick me back up and get us going together. And then the third one, you know, that culture of, hey, at the end of the day, you know, we can be positive energy. We can have each other six, but public traded company, we better deliver results. We better serve those athletes that we are um, responsible for. You know, I, I always think about that. Like I'm responsible for that kid. And, you know, we used to talk and when I was leading Nike football, like we wanted to give that athlete that fingertip. He knocked, they knocked that ball down with that enabled them to get that D1 scholarship. Not that that's the ultimate goal, but I know a lot mm -hmm. of kids, you know, starting for that. So I think having a culture like that, but, you know, having a, a consistent philosophy that the team hears and you're consistent and setting that example of that philosophy all the time. Um, and I think that, you know, starts to resonate throughout the organization. Mm, that's fantastic. That's good. I love that about, you know, philosophies. And that sounds like, like that's foundational. It's not situational, no matter in what, like I can take that and I can take that into the sporting world. You know, when I'm coaching my, uh, you know, my high school football team, or I can, I can take that if I'm starting a new business, right. That's, that's foundational. So that's, that's great. That's great info. Exactly. And, I, and I think there's a lot of work out there, Alex, that I, you know, I look at it, you know, I've got, you know, a bunch of bullet points here that, that I think for my philosophy, but then it's like, uh, I read the book, uh, win forever of Pete Carroll, who, you know, I sink the world to him. And, uh, you know, he, he learned through failure, you know, when you get no disrespect to any jet fans out there, but you get fired as a jet coach, you gotta be, you gotta be having a rough year to get fired as a, as a jet coach. But he realized then after deep reflection, that he didn't have a philosophy. He didn't have that culture and what people could buy into. And then he, you know, he worked on his uh, win forever pyramid and, you know, with that philosophy, we've seen the success that he's had. So I think, you know, for any uh, young leaders out there, you've got to work uh, on that philosophy and be consistent to it. And uh, I think it's going to pay, pay dividends. And I think the other thing is you've got to be, making the decision to lead the decision it's a deep decision it's like when you and your and you say you're married and you decide to have children you have to really decide that you're ready for your life to change forever 
Mm. I talked about that responsibility up front. You've got to hold that deer. You, everyone on your team, whether it's a three-person team or a 150-person team, which I have today, I'm responsible for them and their work, what they accomplished, don't accomplish, their lives, keeping them successful, keeping them happy. They own that as well, but they got to know that they've got a leader that's there for them. So I think, you know, having leaders decide it can't be about uh, uh, the, the, uh, the paycheck, the promotion. If it's about that, don't go into leadership. You've got to be there because you want to help people and you want to help a unit achieve greatness uh, together. Mm. Man, those are golden nuggets, man. That's great. Well, uh, Jim, I want to, so, you know, in the football world, and I'm going to take you back. And when it was in practice, man, you know, you have the different periods, right? You have the different, like the warm up period and the individual period, and you have a team period. Well, there was also a period where it was the blitz period. Mm. So, so, so in a blitz period, you know, we used to come together for about like 10 minutes, uh, offense versus defense. And it was like a blitz. So it was, everybody knew it was coming. Like it was different blitzes, but you just didn't know where the blitz was coming from. Well, that's what you're about to get into now. Okay. okay. This, is the, this is the blitz, the shark effect blitz period. So I'm just going to throw a couple of questions at you and you just, you know, fire them off. Sounds okay. good. Yeah. All right. So. Jim, what's your, what's your superpower? Well, I think I might have alluded to that earlier, but I, I've always prided myself in bringing positive energy. You know, the, it's really easy to get down on things. You know, it's, you know obviously what's going on with the, uh, with the virus today and, and working from home and everyone, I'm going to bring positive energy. And that's, that's what I uh, use as my superpower. Oh, excellent. Um, okay, so now you're the wily veteran um, what would you tell your 22-year-old self? Oh, geez, uh, 22-year-old self. <laughs> um, get your priorities right. When I was 22, I did not have my priorities right. I was, you know, I was just graduating from Maryland at the time. I, ha I had not focused enough on academics. And you know, my priorities were, were football first and academics second. And you know, Coach Park had given me that, that advice. It was right around when I was, you know, 21, 22. Mm -hmm. But um, having priorities right and uh, academics and educating yourself and uh, bettering yourself way more important than uh, being great in sports, at least at my level, you know, yeah. it, my capabilities as an athlete. So I think that's, that's what I would have uh, told myself back then. Okay. All right. Um, all right. What is leadership? Break it down for me. What is leadership? Well, I think at the end of the day, um, leadership to me is, is having that uh, foundation of that philosophy. And that mm -hmm. philosophy is making sure you're accomplishing the mission and welfare of the troops. Uh, it's having that philosophy and setting it and everyone's clear. And for me, it's, you know, my team knows I have their six. I'm going to give positive energy. I'm going to deliver results. They're going to know that I have a vision where we're trying to go. I'm going to give them the commander's intent. I'm going to be decisive. I'm going to use the power of them as a team to accomplish great things together as a team. And I'm always going to take responsibilities for what my team uh, does and doesn't do. When they do it, it was them. When it's mistakes are made, then that's all on me. And I'm going to take responsibility for that. Man, that's, uh, that's great. That's great. I hear a lot. I hear a lot about how important relationships are. 
you know, when it comes with, with, with your team. And I think that, I mean, that goes a long way. And, you know, with leadership, it shows up every day. You know, it's, it's not just at work, but it's also, I mean, it's also at home. It's also in your community. Yeah. Can I tell you one little story on that? I don't know if we have time. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got time. Little story. The thing I also learned about leadership, you never know from that little interaction how you're going to change somebody's life forever. I'll tell you a quick, quick story. I had uh, in high school, senior year, my parents had broken up. They were divorced. We had no money. We were broke. And, you know, I was playing football. At that time, I was a 136-pound defensive back. But I knew how to play the game. But, you know, I just wasn't happy with the way I was playing. I wasn't happy at home. So I just quit. Football had been my life. And I quit. Just up and quit. I went home. I was home watching TV. Remember, that's back in the days, black and white. You actually had to get up and change the channel. It was rabbit ears on it. There was yeah. tin foil on it to get the reception. And uh, I'm there sitting on the couch, and there's a knock on the door. And I go out to the door, and I'm like, oh, man, Coach Caridi is there. Now, Coach Caridi is a new coach. He's right out of college. He's, he might be 23 years old at the most. Hey, Coach, how's it going? Yeah, Jim, more importantly, how's it going for you? It's, well, he said, hey, I was talking to the team. I didn't see you practice. And they said, you quit. And it's like, yeah, coach. Well, you know, my family and you know, I wasn't playing very, very well. It's oh, man, I, I get it, Jim. I get it. You know, uh, that must have been a really, that had to be the toughest decision of your life, wasn't it? Said, yeah, coach, it, it, it's really tough. But, you know, I think that was like, yeah, well, you know, Jim, I got some good news for you. I was like, oh, what's that, coach? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, what good news could come from this? He said, well, the good news is, Jim, for the rest of your life, whenever things get tough, things get challenging, you're not sure what to do, you can just quit and go home. Things get tough on your job, you can quit and go home. You've got a bad boss, you can quit and go home. Things aren't going well in your marriage, you can quit and go home. And your mom might even be there with a home-cooked meal for you. So he said, Jim, I'm going to wish you well, and he walked off. Well, you can imagine Alex what happened from that moment on. Like I, I, I realized the error I was making and, you know, I wasn't going to be a quitter and I wasn't going to pick myself up by the bootstraps and I was going to get back into the fight. And, you know, next thing, you know, I was at practice the next day. Now I paid a price for the rest of the season. We had uh, a very, very tough hill at my high school that I uh, then ran for probably every, after every practice, but he taught me, you know, that moment. And he didn't have to do that. He wasn't even the defensive back coach. But he took that extra step. Why he did it, I don't know. And I was fortunate, probably about seven years ago, I went back and he was actually at one of the practices. He was no longer coaching. He had retired. And, and I recounted that story with him. And I asked him, he remembers it. Oh, you can count on that photo. I remember. And I used that many, many times over the years. I said, why I did it that day, I don't know. But the point being is that as leaders, you don't know that extra step that you take, that extra conversation that you have, that leaning into that teammate that needs it can change their life forever. And that's the great thing about leadership. You have that power and that opportunity. So I'd ask anyone who listens to this uh, to remember that everything you do and don't do matters a lot. And your team is watching and listening and they, they count on you. So take that extra step. Lean in, especially now with what we're going through. Lean in a little bit more. Make that extra phone call. Make that extra conversation. Send that little text message that you're thinking about somebody. It goes a long way. Wow. Wow. 
Jim, I greatly appreciate you, man. You know, you're, you're one of my guys, one of the, you know, my mentors who I love to just, you know, chop it up with you whenever I can. Greatly appreciate you. Is there, um, you know, if my listeners wanted to follow you on social media or anything like that, you want to, um, you have a, a handle that you can give out? Yeah, I, gosh, you know. <laughs> or you like how, to stay on a DL, we, which yeah, one? That's how technically, uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on uh, Facebook is, I think, J427 or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. Don't worry. I'll put it on the show notes. <laughs> well, that's great. But no, it, to spend time with you i, I really uh, appreciate the opportunity and um yeah i wish uh you and and, and your listeners that have a chance uh great success in their leadership and their endeavors going forward absolutely well thank you so much for, for being a guest on the shark effect and you know hopefully my listeners you know you really take into account um the journey that jim has been on and the little steps and the people that have affected him and then how, you know, he's affected people. And it's, it's, it's great to, to have a foundation, right? Where you want to go. It always starts with that. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete, or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever if you're looking to transition into something different this book can help you i break it down i lay down the foundation of who you want to be i have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership which is influence and you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making that can help you with influencing others and how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you? Okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. OK, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.